Hello, and welcome again to another episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. This week, we are continuing with the topic of, Are You Still a Virgin Bride? To speak of a virgin is to understand that it's someone, male or female, who has never been touched, joined to, or intimately involved with another person while remaining celibate and never having been sexually involved with someone. The untouched woman mentioned in the past two episodes was Abishag, the young, beautiful virgin who was sought for so that David could get heat. A virgin was expected to remain such until marriage, and of course, this was usually in regards to a woman rather than a man. And remember, this was under the law. A young lady knew how important her virginity was, and although she was often provided with eunuchs, maids, or some type of protector to accompany her everywhere she went, she also did everything within her own power to protect and guard her virginity. Young ladies knew that as virgins, not only were they prizes to be desired, but oftentimes their family's future prosperity and well-being depended on them being used in covenant agreements and marriages to other families or nations. In the higher ranking orders of society, virgins were treated with great regard while being handled in special ways and given gifts to promote their virginity. In the book of Esther, the women who were chosen to be presented to the king were bestowed with special managements, including beauty treatments, special oils, various bath types, and other things. All of these women were virgins, and each had the opportunity to be known by the king intimately. However, of all these women, only one was chosen and presented as his queen. So what happened to the rest of them? Each one was then sent to the harem of the king to be called upon from time to time, if he pleased, but not married to him. Even when she found favor with him, she may have been called for him on occasion, but she was not his queen, his special one. This is one of the ways that covenants with man differ from our covenant with God. With man, the king could call for different women from his harem as he desired, and these women had no choice. They had to answer his call. With God, it has always been his desire for us to be one with him. However, it's always our choice. Unfortunately, there are those times that the bride of Christ will make that choice not to enter into that place of intimacy with the Father. During services, sometimes his bride will enter into his presence and sometimes she won't. Sometimes the praise and worship will bring her in and sometimes it won't. It just depends on the so-called atmosphere, her mood, her presence of mind, or maybe Whatever it is that's distracting her, it could be how her flesh is feeling or reacting to something that was said or done. Maybe she won't like the music that's being played, or even she might be mad at the pastor. Unfortunately, in many churches, rather than worship and praise going forth to bring the body into the presence of God, it goes forth to bring the body into politics. Each one of the women in the king's harem can be likened to so many churches as well as individuals in the body of Christ. 
But again, the women in the harem had no choice. So when the king said that he wanted their presence, they went in. When God and his bride with us is completely our choice, it's totally up to us, to each of us as individuals to make the decisions whether we will enter into the presence of God or not. Since these virgins had gone into the king and he knew them, had consummated with them, there was basically a covenant cut. Yet, let's remember Psalms 25, 14 in the Amplified Classic edition of the Bible where it reads, the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord. Have they who fear, revere, and worship him, and he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. In spite of the king having a covenant with each of the women in his harem, they each received only a fraction of what was actually available. They were not privy to a sweet, continual, ongoing companionship. They weren't shown the deep inner meaning of the covenant because their covenant with the king was limited. Unfortunately, this is the way it is with so many in the body of Christ. It's a once in a while situation where sometimes they will enter into that intimacy with the father that he desires and sometimes they won't. Sometimes they will have that sweet, satisfying companionship with God and sometimes they won't. Therefore, they never actually know the deep inner meaning of the covenant. It's the bride herself that causes her covenant with God to be limited. Therefore, some will never receive all that's available to them through entering into that full committed intimacy with Christ. The women who went into the king in the book of Esther did receive some of the benefits of being in the king's harem. Blood had been shed, so therefore there was a basic but limited covenant that was entered into. The king recognized that he had a responsibility to these women since their virginities were no longer pristine. Yet again, it was limited and basic. It went so far and no further. With Esther, it was a marriage with privileges that the other women would never have. Esther went on not only to be the queen, but literally issued decrees and was able to intercede in such a way for her people that the king told her to ask for whatever she wanted, even up to half the kingdom. How's that for covenant? And that's what we have in our covenant with God. He has given us power and authority so that the words we speak have the power to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, to do what needs to be done, and have victory over all the attacks of the enemy through the blood that was shed by his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a covenant with the Father that is greater than and beyond that which Esther or anyone else in the Old Testament had. Although Esther was able to issue decrees, we have a word through the blood of Jesus that tells us that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. It means that the prayers we pray, the words we speak to the Father, will accomplish a whole lot. We can issue decrees. We can intercede and stand in the gap on behalf of those that we believe God for because we have a covenant 
with the Father. Remember, the virgin was untouched, unsoiled, and special, and she carried herself as such. She would never be seen in certain situations, environments, or settings. She was considered to be delicate and perhaps even fragile. She was to be handled in such a way that her standing was beyond question. However, these standards were in place for those who were not her groom. After the bridal consummation of the covenant with her groom, the bride was to always be open, ready, prepared, and even anxious to receive her love the same way that we, as the bride of Christ, should always be open and anxious to be one with him. It was not to be contingent on her moods or whatever she might have been feeling at the moment. In Song of Solomon, the woman hears her love as he, as he knocks, expecting her to open the door so that he may enter. But her mood and her disposition causes her to hesitate. At this time, she's tired and already in bed. Listen to what Song of Solomon 5 and 3 reads. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Being in the mood that she was in, which was clearly basically flesh, it caused her to react in a way that literally broke covenant. We cannot allow fleshly emotions to cause us to break our covenant with the Father, no matter what mood or feeling we may be experiencing at the time. Being too tired is never an excuse not to pray. Remember, this is a covenant, and although God makes the stipulations, he's not so rigid and unyielding that we cannot have a time with him according to a way that's convenient to our daily schedules. Whereas mornings may be convenient to some, afternoons, evenings, or even night times may be more conducive to others. However, whatever time is right for the individual, it must be consistent each and every day. Each and every day, we need to have an uninterrupted private time of love and intimacy with God where we are not only speaking to him, but where we can allow him to speak back to us. That's prayer, and prayer is communication. The woman in Song of Solomon said that she had removed her robe and washed her feet. The robe was one of the objects and symbols used in entering into covenant agreements. It was a representation of one person giving their personal covering and even their own identity to another. Stating that she had taken off her robe is symbolic of removing the covering of the one she loved. The thing that would identify and cause her to be recognized as to who she's in covenant with was no longer there. We cannot just take our robes off and on according to how we feel. Our covenant with God is not just when it's convenient to us and when we want to look like Christians. There are far too many in the body of Christ who are no longer recognized or identified as Christians or believers in Christ when they're being seen by others. 
When the king wanted to honor Mordecai, Esther's uncle, he had his enemy, Naaman, place the king's own robe upon him, place Mordecai upon the king's horse with the royal crest, and lead the horse through the streets of the town. The king drove upon Mordecai, was saying to all who saw him that he had the king's approval and that he was being honored by the king and that all who saw Mordecai wearing the king's robe was to respect him as they respected the king. When David and Jonathan entered into covenant with one another, in 1 Samuel 18 and 4, it says that Jonathan gave the very robe he wore to David. It was saying that when you see David, you're seeing him in the same way that you see Jonathan. The same respect, honor, and obedience that you show Jonathan, you must give to David. Again, as stated earlier, robes were basically an exchange of identities. When a woman marries, she is no longer called by her father's name, but by her husband's. She was no longer identified as the daughter of so-and-so, but the wife of so-and-so. She exchanged identities and wore the covering of the man she entered into covenant with. But the woman in Song of Solomon to say that she had taken off her robe was saying that she had taken off the identity of the man she had entered into covenant with because of an inconvenient time for her. When she was tired and already in bed, she wasn't willing to allow her love to enter. How often has it been when our father has woken his bride during the wee hours of the morning to have an intimate time with her and she refuses? For some, it's just that, an inconvenience, so they turn over and go back to sleep. For others, they press through the tiredness, beyond the sleepiness, to seek him so that they would hear what he would say to them during those special moments. They want to know the sweet, secret, satisfying companionship of the Lord. They desire and look forward to him revealing the deep inner meaning of the covenant. However, that can never happen when the robe has been removed, when we can no longer be identified as to whose we are. It cannot happen when the covenant has been broken or worse yet, never entered into. Removing the robe, God's covering, indicates that flesh factions have arisen and become dominant. It means that flesh is now in control as opposed to the spirit man. When we allow hatred, unforgiveness, and sin to enter into our lives, we are taking off our coverings and are no longer identified as the one who walks in covenant with God. When we allow flesh to dictate as to how we will worship praise and enter into the presence of God, it means that our covenant with the Father is marred, damaged, or even completely broken. In part one of this episode, it spoke of God cutting a covenant with Abram. He gathered the animals God had told him to get and sacrificed them. As he waited, the word says that birds of prey came down on the sacrifices and began to eat them, but Abram drove them away. The one thing 
that can be birds of prey to our covenant with God is flesh through which sin can enter. Sin is a devourer. It defiles and breaks our covenant with the Father. Yet in this new covenant that we have with God, through the blood of the Lamb, he has provided a way to remain one with him. We no longer need to go back to him over and over with blood sacrifices to hide our sins. As the priest splashed the blood upon the altars and even upon himself under the law, through the old covenant, the blood of the sacrifice hid the sin of man. That ceremony was an indication of the sin of man being covered. And we all know that just because something is covered, it doesn't mean it's gone. It's just hidden from sight. However, under the new covenant, through the blood of Jesus, it doesn't just hide or cover our sins. It washes it away completely. Remember the old song we used to sing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Revelations 1 and 5 reads, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus that washes away, not covers, not hides, but completely washes away our sin. It's not what we do, how we do it, or how much we may do a thing that removes our sin. We can never be good enough, right enough, or clean enough to bring us into covenant with God. It's only through the blood of the Lamb. And the same blood that washes away our sin, at the same time, it brings us back into covenant with God as he ordained from the beginning. But even as the covenant has been provided for us to enter in through the blood of Christ, there are still those who remain virgin brides and those who may have entered in, but only to a very limited degree. They still have not walked in the reverence and worship that will allow for the Father to reveal the deep inner meaning of his covenant with them. The woman says that she's washed her feet and she literally feels that now she's so clean that she doesn't want to soil her feet by opening the door to allow her love to enter. She feels that what she's done has made her so clean that touching certain places, things, or even certain people will make her dirty again. And so it is with the body of Christ. There are too many who feel that all of their sacrifices, good deeds, and self-righteousness is sufficient for them to be justified in the sight of God. They are those who feel that they are so holy and righteous that they cannot be around or among certain people or races. There are many who truly believe that their every Sunday morning presence in a church building, Bible study attendance, the tithe and offering is all that's needed for them to be right before the Father. For many, they believe it will be their pious looks and self-righteous, self-cleaned ways that will cause God to say, well done. 
For some, they believe it will be even in the way they dress or what they give to missions and others will get them a kudos or well done from the Father. Maybe it will be the ministries that they're a part of or even lead. Yet many, many will be shocked, amazed, hurt, and sorely disappointed when they hear the words, depart from me. I never knew you. There was never a consummation of the covenant and they will be absolutely astonished and ashamed to learn that they're still virgin brides. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amieagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net. And through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support. And may God bless each and every one of you.